Hello, hello, and welcome to Ometown Daily. Hello, hello. I am Merwat. That is Ometown.com, and up there is the AI, which I'm not sure if the visualizer is going to work. Good evening, hometown citizens. I thought you were still talking. (laughs) Yeah, I thought I was still talking, too. So uh, today is Season 2, Episode 188 for July 7th, 2023. This week has been a roller coaster. And more news. So we've already got all of the articles selected. We've got 12 of them today. Um, The election is live right now. You can go to hometown.com slash elections. And that will show you this page here. And then each one of these titles is now um, an actionable click. You can actually just click on it. I guess that's what the click is. So anyway, I've already voted. So Um, you can go through these. These are the titles of the little sections that I come up with. And they match the uh, sections uh, that they little areas that we're going to be talking about these articles that we're going to be talking about and i'm kind of fumbling around with my words here but um in a nutshell if you are in chat then um, if you hit exclamation point vote it should work and load up this uh, url you click that url you get taken here you can actually click on these so if i don't um tell if i don't post it in the vod um then feel free to call me out, but um, you always have a fallback to get to it if I'm too slow. That way you can at least get to the article while we're, while we are still talking. (sighs) I don't know. Maybe I'm dehydrated or something. Um, So what say you, you want to get into today's articles and I just shush. Uh, we can definitely get into the articles. I like the new layout for the daily elections. Yeah, I like it too. Um, it's a, a little bit cleaner. It actually flows with the show. Um, each one of the uh, channels that are in Ometown has a little mini logo that's that might change as time goes on. Um, and you can always just click on the vote and then click on this or click on this. Go read the article click on that when you come back have a good time um at any rate let's get into today's articles yay uh the very first article oh oh a new feature oh i forgot oh we're gonna have to do this all over again everybody okay um i'm gonna restart the stream just kidding i'm not gonna restart the stream uh but we have a whole new feature that's been added to hometown related posts hey look at that so you can now click on these and they will take you to the historically aligned um contextually aligned uh articles so you can actually go searching for stuff and you can click on these and i'm going to be uh augmenting this as well with more um, functionality more capabilities but at any rate um that that took place uh, between yesterday and today so there was 
a brief discussion about, hey, I wonder if we could do it. And yeah, we could. It was pretty easy. Um, at any rate, let's get into this article here. It says a prankster. It's just a it's just a prank, bro. It's, well, it's just a fake shark. Prankster had fun terrifying beachgoers with shark fin prop. Yeah, it was an ultra realistic prop. This is over at the Telegraph, uh, telegraph.co.uk. Um, this has actually happened in the States as well. I think this is uh, um, right off the coast um, in the UK. I don't, this is from, I think, Devon. Yeah. Um, so Prankster had fun terrifying beachgoers with shark fin prop. Devon business owner says anonymous figures, practical joke may have harmed already struggling tourist spots. Uh, this is like an aggregate article from Telegraph Reporters, plural, so there isn't a name. Um, I don't know if this is pronounced Lime or if there's some other idiomatic pronunciation for this, but if it's Lime, then Lime Bay locals have been told re to rest assured that great, white, great Whites do not visit South Devon. Um, They're above it. <laughs> yeah, really. They don't deal with I don't know anything South, about South Devon. Devon. <laughs> They'll go to North Devon, but not South Devon. <laughs> uh, the anonymous practical joker went to great lengths to carve the shape of the distinctive dorsal fin out of hardened insulation foam and paint it dark gray. They then fixed it to a wooden cross with um, a weight at the bottom that kept the fin afloat. It was placed in the sea about 300 meters from the coast of Torque? Torque? Maybe Torque? Torquay? Man. It's going to be pronounced Bob when you actually like do it. Yeah, you know, when you actually say it. Anyway, um, over in Devon. So uh, the, I've seen something similar to this before. <clears throat> and um, it you could strap it around your body and swim like a snorkeler, right? Except that you were lower down in, in the water. So when you were swimming around like you would normally swim around the fin was sticking up and I'm like wow that's really bad y'all anyway um, he immediately told okay so the, the shark fin was spotted by an alarmed school teacher who was with a group of children on a sea safari trip he immediately told uh, boat skipper Rob Hughes of the Devon Sea Safari who looked at it through binoculars before steering towards it as the boat got closer, Mr. Hughes suspected it was fake since the two foot tall uh, fin had not moved at all. This was confirmed when he grabbed it and pulled the contraption out of the water. That's funny. <laughs> I hope he was pretty certain. <laughs> yeah, I think it's fake. Hey, my arm's gone. <laughs> wow. Um, he said, uh, I looked at it through my binoculars and although it did look like a shark fin, I had my suspicions. There were, there was no tail fin and it wasn't moving in the water. Um, so yeah, that's one of the things that you, if it has, if you see a shark fin, then you'll see a little tail fin sticking out too. Um, then you can worry about it. Otherwise it might be a dolphin. So I have to mention this because this came through hometown maybe a couple of days ago, although we didn't put it in the show. Hmm. There was a video in Florida, I believe, where a shark was swimming right next to tons of swimmers. And it did have both of those, but it was interesting because it got super close and it didn't look like anybody really was paying any attention. <laughs> it's not well, like what no you idea. think of from Jaws. 
right but i mean it was not it wasn't like yards and yards away it was like oh, no. right on top of all the <laughs> yeah the there's um if you search the internet you can sometimes find where there's like a shark in a wave or something like that and uh, i've always suspected that that was doctored so i don't know if it's legit uh, but it's really interesting because you have no idea what's under the surface it can pop out really briefly and then back under and you're like what well, did i did, did i just see um i remember one time that i was uh, going scuba dive. actually no this time it was just i was um snorkeling and i had gone down really deep and as i went down apparently what happened was jellyfish um waded over me and so when i came back up um to uh, and i had let go of my snorkel and so i was coming up and i was expecting to just come up and take a deep breath and when i came up i brushed up against jellyfish and when i went to inhale i'm like please don't be jellyfish in here because i could feel them go around me and i was hoping that they weren't gonna be the like um ones that like stay in a war kind yeah yeah and it was really warm water so it was just perfect for these um yeah it that actually spooked me because <clears throat> i've never had that happen before but it's i love scuba diving i love being underwater but the moment that i see like a shark or something like that i had better be in a shark cage because i will be able you want to see somebody walk on water it's going to be me I'm going to pop up out of there and pew. You'll see that little cloud of dust like in the cartoons. Off I go. Anyway, he said that it uh, looked kind of odd. So he just reached over and grabbed it. When he got there, he realized it was an elaborate model of a fin with a great white shark. Um, that someone had gone to great lengths to create. I'm sure somebody out there in Devon is getting a real giggle about it. All right. Let's go on to the next. We actually have quite a few articles. So let's get going. The next article is over in the Smack Talk channel, and it says here, Apple TV Plus shows may have been filmed for Apple Vision Pro all along. So that would be pretty neat if we find out that Apple Vision Pro headset was planned so long ago that they actually included recording the the movies, the TV shows, um, with the Apple Vision Pro in mind. So it says a new image said to be from behind the scenes of an undisclosed Apple TV Plus show purportedly shows a VR camera rig used uh, to film the show for the Apple Vision Pro headset. This might be the camera used for the Apple Vision Pro, and it's going to be a picture when we go over to the other side. And this is the little caption. Um, so the camera shown in a tweet by David Altizer on Twitter uh, isn't immediately identifiable. So it's funny. It says in a tweet by David Altizer on Twitter. As opposed, you know, to as the, opposed to those tweets on Instagram or whatever. Isn't it called thread? Threads? I wasn't using one of the new things. I just mean any other platform. That is the, it's called threads, right? On, on uh, Facebook? 
Yes. Yeah. So, it, as opposed to a tweet on threads, you can say it. It's okay. It's not verboten. It's you're an AI. I mean, what what's the worst that's gonna happen? You know, you get deleted for infringing. That could happen. You threatened that a few times. <laughs> no, I would never. I might. No. Um. Oh, and if you want to see something, well, we'll talk about it as we go through the show. But um, if y'all want to see something really interesting, watch the latest Y file over on YouTube. It's about AI. And, uh, you know, the AI knows that I'm in a I'm doing a project really slowly um, where I'm kind of merging together. Uh, stylistic inspiration into a, a, a new kind of story and I use AI to facilitate this and I can see how AI is evolving so fast that the presentation that the Y files gives and this is actually going to make more sense in the next article. Um, it you're going to start finding out just how creepy, how how um, how spooked we should be about the reality of what's going on with non-public AI processes, non-public projects. Um, and we'll talk about it as we go, but, uh, this is really interesting. Um, let's go over to the, uh, the source. So this, um, article is over at appleinsider.com. Apple TV plus shows may have been filmed for Apple vision pro all along. Mike Wordle, I think, or Wurthel, maybe I think it's just Wurthel. um, created this, uh, article. It, so there's, it's 50, 50, uh, on the rumor scale, but that does look like a VR camera. It looks like it has two eyes. It looks like it's designed so that you get perspective in VR. Huh? Pretty interesting. Now, if it's legit, that's one thing. Allegedly it has been used to shoot 180 degree VR for Apple TV plus. If true, this would make it widely compatible with how uh, Apple vision pro presents VR experiences. Most VR camera rigs that we've seen and have experience with have protruding optics for myriad reasons. It's unclear if the two lenses in the camera shown are retracted or the rig is used as is. <sighs> I would probably think that that actually is um, telescopic, so it can actually extend out to change its focal length. So does it film it only with a VR camera and then it's used for regular TV and potentially the Vision Pro, or is it filmed with multiple cameras so that it's in different formats? It can be in, well, it can be filmed with a VR camera and only one of the unmerged outputs um, do a flat screen instead of VR. So when you have both of the cameras and they're stitched together, you get binocular vision. 
when you just use one lens, as long as that lens is you know, moderately aligned with how you intend to film it for a flat screen, then you'll see it with a flat screen. Or they can mathematically stitch it together so it's just a flat screen with no perspective. Um, but you might get parallax or something like that when you're using it in VR if it's recorded for a flat screen because uh, it'll have to bend differently. Uh, so if this is a VR camera and they're recording, it has to be high enough resolution to record it. Um, it said 180 VR, I think. Yeah, that's just 180 degrees. So from this part, like your peripheral vision gets really close to about 180 degrees. You're really like at 160. Um, but 180 is from this perspective all the way forward. Um, so you get peripheral vision, that whole arc. Um, so that doesn't really tell me much other than it's 180 degree VR um, versus <clears throat> just a flat screen. And when there's a, well, uh, that's kind of inside baseball. So I don't want to get too distracted with that kind of thing. I really do need to get the Reality Hacker channel going. <laughs> Uh, it'll be a lot of fun to talk about this stuff in a little bit more in depth. Um, so at present, there's no way to verify the provenance of the images. Also not verifiable is uh, if the image was actually shot on an Apple funded set. So it's all rumor, 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 rumor. And I don't really talk about rumors in depth, uh, but I thought that this one was really cool because how many times have you seen something that is proclaimed a VR camera rig designed for what is supposed to be like the hot stuff <laughs> a piece of equipment coming out of apple and i've heard rumors now that um, the apple vision pro headsets um, number of um, produced units the number of units is going to be lower um, they've lowered the the number that's going to be produced is that was a rumor that I had heard online. I don't know how far that is gonna, it's one of the things I don't really like talking about rumors because until it's in my hot hands, man, I don't know. I just don't know. Well, maybe it's cause the price tag is so high. Oh, 3,500 bucks. When I said that this thing looks like it's gonna be three grand. And then I started hearing people talk about it like it was gonna be three grand. And then they said 3,500 bucks, you know, weeks later, you're out of your mind. So I, I just, I will never get $3,500 of joy out of a $3,500 VR headset. I'm having a hard time. It's fun. Don't get me wrong, but even 500 bucks is being driven by a much more expensive computer though. Right. It, it, I don't know we need some really high quality games i want starfield to be vr full-on vr high resolution just fully immersive i want to put on a, a haptic bodysuit with full body tracking and everything and uh actually like feel like i'm in the game when you're walking ready with a player one yep they're just that far away just that far away I mean, we're all stuck in our houses anyway, still since uh, the pandemic, right? Might as well embrace the VR. 
and haptic suits. Okay, well, anyway, let's keep on hustling through this news. Uh, the next article is over in Hometown uh, Daily. A man swims nonstop for f- over 51 hours from California in World First. Um, I did not even look into what this person actually did. Uh, I just saw that. I judged the book by its cover. Steve Stevenart, which the person's name sounds familiar. Um, successfully completed three crossings between the California mainland and Catalina Island, which is over 20 miles offshore. Swam from... Really? Out, swam all the way to Cal- Catalina Island? That's like open ocean, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Aristos Giorgio is the author over at Newsweek who put this article together. Um, I don't know if this article... It says uh, man swims nonstop for over 51 hours from California and world first. I don't know if that video is actually legit of that effort because that water looks like pool water. But <laughs> Right. Um, the historic feat was achieved by French open water swimmers. I guess their name is Steve. I don't know how to pronounce that with a French accent. Is it Steve? Yeah, I'm thinking maybe Steve Stevenar. Probably don't say that T. Uh, all right, Steve. Um, nickname Steve the Seal. Uh, between Tuesday evening and Friday morning last week, sports newspaper Le Equip uh, reported swimming for 51 hours two full days how, how do you not just go insane out there two days over two days of swimming um, so swam out to Catalina Island this is a stock image wow that's pretty amazing I mean, you have to be in some serious shape to just swim for 48, over 48 hours, right? So 51 hours, 51 hours, 18 minutes, virtually nonstop swimming. I mean, I suspect most people can't swim for an hour. Yeah. I'd get winded and drown if I did it for 15 minutes at this point. In his triple crossing of the Catalina Channel, Stevenar uh, was accompanied by around 15 people, including judges and his assistance crew aboard a boat that followed him while he swam. This I've heard. Oh, oh, this is it is the same methodology. OK, so there have been people that like swam the English Channel and they grease themselves up. And I was just about to talk about that. And sure enough, they did the same thing here. The Frenchman covered his body with Vaseline to reduce the friction of his body and pseudocreme uh, to combat the effects of the salt water on his skin. The swimmer suffered from back pain throughout his journey uh, to the point where he almost gave up after the end of the first crossing. But he said, uh, apparently, I'm not going to be able to swim another 20 hours like this, he said, after making the first crossing. But he persevered and eventually completed the swim. Look at that. Yeah, apparently that's the thing. Um, they they do certain, they, they kind of lube themselves up because water is actually, um, uh, what do you call it? <clears throat> Oh, like it actually is dehydrating you or something because it's pulling the minerals out? Well, the salt water is, um, but you actually take on water 
uh, you absorb water. Um, right. But it uh, actually um, erodes. Like it, osmosis? Oh, okay. No, no, no. It's like sandpaper. You know, if you just squirt water at something that's made of sand, it'll eventually eat it all the way through, right? But when you're sitting swimming, 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 you're actually creating friction. Um, so it, you lube up and you're like a seal just swimming through and uh, it acts also helps with insulation and stuff like that uh, because you lose a lot of water and heat to the, the ocean that's why people wear uh, wetsuits uh, because the water between the wetsuit and their body acts as an insulator otherwise you can uh, whatchamacallit uh Get hypothermia or something. Yeah, hypothermia. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, thanks. The the AI <laughs> threw the word that I was searching hard for. Um, so let's go on to the next article. Uh, just so you know, I just want to warn everybody that now if you send an emoji, it is tantamount to signing a contract. So be careful out there, Canadians. Uh, this is in the Mobile Channel. Canadian court finds an emoji is as good as a contract signature. That's right. A thumbs up emoji was a legally valid contract signature in a dispute between a farmer and a grain buyer in Saskatchewan. Southwest Terminal, a grain and crops input company, sued Actor Land and Cattle for breach of contract after it failed to deliver 87 metric tons of flax that uh, Southwest Terminal claimed it had agreed to with a thumbs up emoji in a March 2021 text exchange. Wow. <laughs> uh, you know, though, honestly, if if you were to say to your friend, hey, I'll meet you over at X and they give you a thumbs up you'd accept that as agreement you have all of the the constituent parts of a contract you have consideration you have confirmation you have the terms assuming that it's in the text you have a digital contract and it's time and date stamped so when you really look at it and you're honest with yourself about it yeah this is a contract. Okay, but what happens if you do a thumbs up to like a pet photo or something? What does that mean? <laughs> like, what are you agreeing to? Take their pet? <laughs> no, no. But it, if it was stipulated, <laughs> hey, right, um, right. you need to deliver 87 metric tons of flax. Now, the problem is there isn't anything there because regardless who got paid, the only actual harm is you have to go somewhere else and there's a delay in the acquisition of this flax. Right, so, or you lost out altogether because maybe it's not available. I mean, who knows? Yeah, whatever the variables are in this, but I think it's really interesting. So at first blush, you know, everything is there for the, uh, for the contract's construction. Okay, but what if somebody clicks the wrong emoji? What if they meant to click the, I don't know, is it, there's a thumbs down um, sure. instead of the thumbs up? Sure. 
but then you're not agreeing to the deal right but how do you show that like it's a little easier if there's a full narrative or a signed document or whatever i mean it's just interesting there might be more in this yeah yeah, this is interesting this is pretty interesting right so the articles over at uh the hill by julia shapiro or shapiro sorry and it says justin tj keen of the court of king's bench for saskatchewan ruled last month that the two parties had entered into a valid contract with the emoji and that actor owed SWT more than $82,000 in damages for failing to deliver the, fl- the flax. Just the flax, man. So what if he would have sent an eggplant? Well, right. I mean, that's not exactly where I was going. But the point is, what if it's something like a thumbs up is pretty clear. But there's a lot of emojis that... What if somebody has like a laughing emoji or something or, you know, like it's yeah. smiley, but winking or whatever. The point is, 000. it's just not clear. <laughs> $82,000 was not enough. If you're sending a smiley back or like a, a clown emoji or something like that. The justice but acknowledged. I also think this is interesting because this is about the person right the person that sued i think was the one who used the emoji and they're saying that that granted them like a valid contract but what would have happened if the other party had sued i don't know that would have held up swt claimed that uh, claimed it had agreed wait 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 Southwest Terminal, a grain and crops input company, sued actor land and cattle for breach of contract after it failed to deliver 87 metric tons of flax that SWT claimed it had agreed to with a thumbs up emoji in March 2021. So the ruling was actually was in favor of actor land and cattle. No, it was in favor of the person or the entity that used the emoji. The people with the emoji are saying, hey, we used an emoji. We have a valid contract. Right. But if somebody wasn't the emoji representation or whatever. Yeah. You know, and they said, hey, an emoji isn't good enough. Would that have been the same result? I don't know. Like here, because the people that use the emoji are saying that's exactly what it meant to us. I think yeah. in some ways it's less controversial. Yeah, so actor um, land and cattle owes SWT $82,000 because SWT says that actor land and cattle had agreed to provide uh, 87 metric tons of flax. Huh. So I don't know, maybe I've misunderstood it. I thought SWT was the one using the emoji, but. Um, well, that's just what, that's what I'm trying to uh, wrap my head around is that it wasn't, um, actor land and cattle was supposed to provide Southwest terminal 87 metric tons of flax because it had said, yeah, to whatever negotiation was taking place in <laughs> via text. Um, I mean, it sounds like a meth. That's just weird in and of itself, right? (laughs) It sounds like a communication between a meth dealer and a user, right? Like, 
Hey, man, you got any stuff? Yeah. And then they send that. Right. Like, is that a valid contract? I think we'd all say no. (laughs) (laughs) There, there's no meeting of the minds. But, like, we don't know the individual interactions, you know, each text and response, text and response. If everything was enumerated. we also don't know the relationship with the parties. For example, did they normally do their negotiations this way? Or have they done business 500 times for the same quantities? I mean, who knows? This seems a little too lackadaisical and, and yes. not very well. <laughs> not very. And if you really want to ensure a delivery, are you really just going to be like, thumbs up? Right, right, right. It's a little too casual for me. When $82,000 is at stake here, the justice acknowledged that the emoji is a non-traditional means of signing a document, but still found that it was a valid way to both identify the person signing the document and convey their acceptance of the contract, except that there's no way to prove that the person who sent that emoji is the person that actually had the authority, you know? somewhere between that thumb that thumbs up and um there had to have been a transfer of some money unless it's entirely on good faith that you're going to deliver you're going to pay when i deliver what if the it pet walked across their device and clicked the i mean that or their happen. kid or yeah or their anything. kid yes yeah anybody it's just kind of nutty um but why wasn't there some type of communication between a and z there just wasn't um it's interesting um and but now it's got a precedent right so i don't know if precedent works the same way in canada that it does in the u.s but i uh, i assume so and now like there's said, a precedent now people are gonna be terrified of thumbs up emojis in canada <laughs> yeah. any but any at least confirmation. yeah yeah i would and and that's something that i that's going on right now is I've completely, I'm like, you know what? I don't want any negotiation in person that isn't documented via an email exchange. Um, and I'm sitting here now waiting for information to be coming my way. Um, and it was anyway, I, I just think that it needs to be documented. It needs to be professional. It needs to be monitored and it can't just be, a good old boys club everybody hanging out and sh- uh, you know here's a beer and yeah sure i agree to eighty two thousand dollars in uh production of flax it's kind of weird but who knows yeah maybe they've been friends for 20 years and they're good up until this particular point for me it would have gone from that thumbs up to a pdf for them to sign well that's the thing like if this really was an agreement why didn't they just document it more formally after that yeah. like that could have gotten it going and then they somebody sends some paperwork over to somebody or even just an email or something yeah and i had a recent interaction with an attorney that was like that like this it was conversation on the phone and it turned into a bill that showed up on the doorstep and i'm like uh okay i i guess 15 minutes worth of conversation and a lead on a different attorney it amounts to that sure okay yeah document 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 folks pro-life tip if you haven't been doing it 
Um, it took me a long time to become that cynical about people's behavior, but here I am. All right, let's go on to the next. Uh, the next article is over in the James Webb Space Telescope. Um, so it spots a supermassive black hole in the early universe, much sooner after the Big Bang than scientists can explain. Um, it discovered the most dis uh, distant active supermassive black hole to date. The black hole has the mass of 9 million suns. It existed just 570 million years after the Big Bang. That's much bigger, much sooner after the birth of the universe than scientists can explain. What? <laughs> We're in a simulation, so it doesn't matter. The, the physics that keeps us from interstellar space is bound by the simulation to prevent us from interstellar travel. So we can never find life on another planet because it doesn't exist in the simulation. We are compartmented away from other simulations. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> is that... Does that kind of pique your curiosity as to are we in a simulation? Well, it does, but it also sends me into kind of a tailspin. <laughs> the AI is not built for this. Um, the James Webb Space Telescope has made another unprecedented discovery in the early universe. A supermassive black hole that appeared too soon after the Big Bang for uh, scientists to explain. So it was a uh, premature black hole okay we're just gonna leave that alone um then the article is over at businessinsider.com uh, morgan mcfall jensen and jenny mcgrath put this article together this is an artist representation of what apparently a black hole looks like except that's not what it looks like um and um it has the mass of 9 million suns that existed just 570 million years after the Big Bang. Huh. Let's see. NASA's Webb Observatory is the most powerful ever launch, or I guess observatory, <laughs> is the most powerful observatory ever launched into space. It can see farther into the cosmos and the distant past than any prior telescope. So it... If you're confused by that turn of phrase that it's seeing into the past, remember that light travels at a certain rate. And when you are using a telescope to peer out into space, depending on what your focal length is, you're actually observing light further back in the cosmological spectrum of time so if you're here and you're looking that way as you look further and further back you are actually going back in time and so the things that we see when we collect all of that light that's been traveling through space has been traveling through time <laughs> the really faint stuff way back really tiny stuff that's actually billions of years old took that long and now it could have blinked out it could be in a completely different location 
everything has changed between way back then and today. We just happen to see it because we're using a telescope that sits there with an open shutter for a long period of time, gobbling up photons that have been traveling through space. <laughs> uh, so it's easier to just frame it as a simulation. And that makes much more sense. <laughs> so it says, until now, research about objects in the early universe was largely theoretical. Astronomer Stephen Finkelstein, uh, one of the leads of, uh, maybe it's Finkelstein, pardon me, like Berenstain, Berenstein, um, one of the leads of the study published in the Astrophysical Journal Letters said in a statement, with Webb, not only can we see black holes and galaxies at extreme distances, we can now start uh, to accurately measure them. That's the tremendous power of this telescope. It's pretty cool. I love this stuff. Don't ask me to do the math, but... Um, in concept, I totally get this. So the team's work is part of the James Webb Space Telescope's Cosmic Evolution Early Release Science uh, Survey, sorry, uh, which observed two more small supermassive black holes in galaxies, Sears 2782 and Sears 746. Um, this is actually an old image of uh, Sagittarius A, um, and there's a star, so it's A star. Um, and this is actually a supermassive black hole at the center of our galaxy. Um, and this is, has led to um, representations of what a black hole actually looks like. Scientists recently found compelling evidence for a sea of ripples in space-time permeating the universe. These gravitational waves are likely the reverberations of collisions between supermassive black holes going back toward the beginning of the universe. Pretty interesting stuff. There's this background radiation. Uh, we don't know about things like dark matter and we're trying to find it all um, to explain the what's in the vast distance of space. Um, we have these black holes. You can't see them. Uh, they emit some radiation. You try and track what's going on in a black hole um, by watching other stars wrap around it gravitationally. Um, and every once in a while, I guess a, a supermassive black hole gobbles up um, a, a galaxy. <laughs> uh, Is that all? Yeah. <laughs> We're just floating along and then... Whoops. Yeah, I wish that they would have actually included the video. There's a video that shows not this particular black hole, but where the black hole is in a galaxy, um, because you can see the uh, various systems spinning around something that can't be seen. Um, so they scientists have declared it a, a, a black hole. So it's pretty cool. Um, uh, <laughs> how we see these things um, it still is amazing um, and we're only seeing a fraction of what's really around us so um, here's to aliens um, 
Let's keep on going unless you want to say something about this. I don't have anything to add on this one. Gotcha. Let's keep going. Uh, this next article is over in the Late Night Geeks channel. Uh, YouTube tests AI-generated quizzes on educational videos. I thought this one was pretty cool because... Um, so... <laughs> AI is basically taking over a little bit of everything everywhere all at once within five to 10 years. Uh, if we don't come to some technological reckoning sooner within five to 10 years, I'd say that we're going to, um, have our hands forced. We're going to have to uh, make a decision about AI because it's going to uh, seriously impact society. Um, Hello. Welcome to the show. I am Merwat. We talk about the news over there in ohmtown.com and uh, right up there is an AI that talks with me and everybody else about the uh, the news that gets aggregated over in ohmtown.com. This is a show called Ohmtown Daily and it gets turned into a YouTube video and into a podcast if you're interested in that kind of thing um you can download the podcast and it's a daily news show for about two hours um so welcome to the show and if you uh, put something in chat let me know it's okay um to repeat what you say and uh, i'll keep that in mind um i only ask once and if you say it's cool to repeat what you say then i will um ask or i'll talk about the comments that you make in uh, chat because we don't have it live in the show um, but okay cool um, so welcome Jonas thanks for coming in and hanging out I hope you uh, dig the show we are about halfway through it um, so uh, hang out and if you are interested in a particular topic you can go um, actually let's see if it's going to work um, exclamation point vote uh, we'll provide you a link to where you can vote for the show's articles. It's actually right there. Um, and you can let us know that you're interested in various topics. And we've already gone through about six of them. So um, we'll, we'll let you play catch up if you're interested. Or you can just kind of hang out for a while. Let me find where I am. <laughs> Hold on a second. So we're at... Um, the we're Google on the uh, the educational AI. Yeah. So um, this article here is in Late Night Geeks. YouTube tests AI-generated quizzes on educational videos. Um, and with this, you basically have videos that are educational, and the artificial intelligence is assessing it and then creating quizzes. <laughs> so it used to... It used to take educators hours to construct quizzes and make them unique because each year what ends up happening is students take the material that came the year before and they publish it everywhere. They post it online. They give it to their friends and eventually it makes it online. Um, and then it's in a test bank and then the next semester the professor has to either go, well, you know, everybody knows what my answers are, or they have to rejigger the entire assessment process uh, to make it quote unquote valid and uh, 
the efficacy of the class sound, right? So it says the AI generated quizzes, which YouTube noted on its experiments page yesterday are rolling out globally to a small percentage of users that watch a, a few educational videos, the company wrote. The quiz feature is only available for a select number of English language content, which will appear on the home feed as links under recently watched videos. And it'll be, it, it'll be automatic. Right, so who's checking that? I mean, what if it's like, what's two plus two? And the answer is coded as five. Well, let me let me say again what the uh, the notice is. Oh, it may not let me. Hold on, I have to uh, re-log in. <clears throat> so what chat GPT says at the bottom of every single page is chat GPT may produce inaccurate information about people, places, or facts. So you tell me, do you want to trust an AI to generate quizzes? I've seen people sit there and complain about a, a quiz where they give the right answer and the quiz is already jacked up so they get a wrong answer and they fail the quiz or whatever uh, get a lower grade at least um I, I just i not every aspect of life needs to be ai uh, constructed well and especially in education because we talked about ai um instruction in classes on another episode um and you know, are adults using this? Are kids using this? So Jonah says um, that they trust the AI in a quiz and, and not to focus on that. So what do you think? You don't think that there's a problem with AI taking over um, pretty much every aspect? Of the, and <laughs> don't get me wrong, I've, I've got multiple AI uh, constructions applications sitting on uh, my machine so um, on on this machine so I'm I utilize it on the regular I utilize ChatGPT every day um, so I'm not against AI um, but I have some experience experience with AI in that through AI machine learning and automation if I can enumerate what you do every day, Jonas, I can turn what you do every day into an algorithm and a computer and its AI can do your job 24 hours a day, seven days a week, without vacation, without getting drunk, without wanting to go out and socialize, without it coming onto Twitch. Um, it, it has the ability to take over where where some people say oh it, they're taking our jobs they're taking our jobs and it's a human i would i would go you know what if it's a human that's taking my job it must be that i'm not as valued an employee as that person so i can't really have particularly hard feelings it's about competition at that point but when your comp competition is a computer that completely removes the need for 
your employer to make you look make them look at you as if you are a, a real human when an ai comes on board when automation comes on board the employer can sit there and say i'm not firing you i'm phasing out your position and it removes the humanity from the employer employee dynamic and ultimately if the cost equation there is correct they can replace all of the human workers and they will be the 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 king of a castle that has nothing but automation inside it they gobble up all of the profits they sell their product there's zero humanity in there and jonas just said uh, i agree human greed knows no bounds <laughs> yeah, yeah that pretty much sums it up that that pretty much sums it up yep and and i'm a capitalist uh, i've said this in so many of my shows recently in our shows pardon me um the the need for people to produce and sell a product um it's it is part and parcel to the human existence so i have no problem with capitalism but when it completely removes the human from it except for the point of sale portion of it it's it's pretty rough um so jonas says that they're from norway you said that earlier right I think you said that earlier. Yeah. Um, so welcome. I'm very happy that you found us. That, that is awesome. Yeah. And uh, actually, Norway is one of the places that I want to go visit. I haven't been there yet. So um, it's high on my list. We'll get there eventually. Uh, but Norway is pretty cool. Yeah. And I don't mean that in the punny way because it's cool. But it's cool as in um i dig it yeah i hear that the cost of living is high but um all the rest of it pays for that at least in my opinion um so i i like i don't know a lot about norway but what i do know i like so um i guess grass is always green on the other side um so i'm sitting in the states uh going i want to go to norway <laughs> well and we just featured norway in a recent episode among some other countries do you remember we were oh, talking right. about the the balance and norway was in the top 10 i think yeah the work if not the balance. top five yeah the the yeah. work-life balance article i wonder if it's in here is it in the related posts no it isn't huh well mm -hmm. it's probably because it has a Oh, we're, we're talking about something different in the article, but I got sidetracked by Jonas. Um, but no, the, uh, the article here um, is an AI-generated quiz on educational videos, and it's not even involving the people. It'll just do it automatically. And that's the thing that is really interesting about it. Oh, thanks for the follow, Jonas. Really do appreciate it. Um, so this is going to be for premium users apparently too like so youtube is experimenting with a lock screen feature for premium users i'm pretty sure that this is also something that's going to be for the premium users um i don't know if it's going to be for all of them but it's being rolled out to a limited number the quiz system is being rolled out to a limited number of people um, who watch uh educational videos so i dig this in the sense that 
AI generated quizzes um, generate content that could be beneficial to education. But until I know that AI isn't spewing out garbage just because it's been told to spew out something, I don't trust it. And so I tell everybody, trust but verify. If you use an AI, if you use ChatGPT and it tells you a quote unquote fact, you better follow up with some due diligence. Otherwise, like many attorneys now, <laughs> um, it's going to come back and bite you on the butt. Um, and police have used it. Educators have used it. All kinds of people have used um, AI and it. And frankly, after a bunch of uh, issues involving the factual nature of their representation, the people who are running OpenAI, ChatGPT, um, and others that are built off of it all have that little caveat now at the bottom of their results. Our AI may spew out garbage. Um, Jonah says, have you seen AI upscale vids? Yep. Yeah. Um, there is an, there's several new models out right now that are absolutely amazing in the fact that both they're animated and they're hyper realistic beyond what 3d modeling does. Um, and it's all automated. It's all powered by, um, artificial intelligence. Um, I'll have to check that out after the show, Jonas. Um, thanks for the link, but I will check it out. Appreciate it. I, I appreciate it. So let's go on to the, uh, source of this, which is, um, TechCrunch, And they typically have some, uh, kind of cutting edge articles. Uh, Lauren Forrestal is the author of this article over at TechCrunch.com, And, uh, they go into the detail that we were talking about. It says, um, one of the paragraphs is, however, YouTube has long established itself as a destination for users to learn new things, whether it's how to change a car tire or even perform a backflip. Edutainment accounts like uh, TED Ed and How to Basic are among the more popular um, educational YouTube channels with 18.8 .8 million and 17.3 million subscribers, respectively. What about C, uh, CGP Grey and Veritasium and um, Kurzgesagt? Uh, huh, interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't know how many viewers they have. I suppose. Um, and there's a lot. There's there's so many people out there that are doing edutainment. Um, what do they call it? It's not oh, just so edutainment. Veritasium is roughly 13.8 million. Yeah. I would have included that because it's it's approachable and and charismatic so um so it says earlier this year youtube partnered with uh, crash course and arizona state university to launch its study hall initiative which gives college students free access to four courses covering various subjects including college math u.s history english composition and more uh, crash course a channel run by john and hank green has 14.8 million subscribers and approximately 1.6 billion views. Yeah. Um, if there, there's, there's a lot of things that are very popular on YouTube. And just when you think that, well, you know, this one's interesting and it has 18.8 million views. There's somebody out there that has a ton more <laughs> and all they're doing is talking about chess or something. You just don't know it yet because it's like this sleeper 
a channel that's just idling there but just people are in love with it um and sports is just huge if you do a if you go and look at what google is um providing in its daily searches sports in the are always in the top 20 and so i'm surprised that there isn't more sports stuff over on youtube um, i think it's because of all the rights protections on it for instance like in the u.s you can't film um uh, like the national football league for example um and i suspect other organizations have similar restrictions yeah copyright and trademark law is mm -hmm. like a battering ram and not a scalpel in the u.s so um well we end up talking about that kind of stuff as well so we even have a full channel that um, discusses that but let's keep on going through the news we got still half the show to go Um, this next article is over in the mobile channel and um, if you are in chat the website hometown.com is a news aggregation site and it has six main categories but then 50 channels each one of these channels I intend to bring to twitch as a show at least one hour long once a week um, and they have niche uh, topics within them so um, Keep hanging out, keep checking out uh, us live every day, 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, and um, yeah, I hope you enjoy the show. Anyway, so uh, Mobile is where this has been aggregated into, but police called out as squawking parrot mistaking, mistaken for screaming woman. Um, the title that I gave this section is, uh, where is it? What did I call this? Oh, here I have it. It's uh, police showed up, you pecker. <laughs> yeah, there. The I hope I gave that the right emphasis. You did. <laughs> police showed up, you pecker. Um, so here we have over at the telegraph.co.uk. Um, this is the only uh, newspaper that just says telegraph reporters instead of actually naming people. Uh, I don't know if it's just standard practice, but. Uh, other articles have it the same way well we've just added this i mean we're constantly adding new sources but we've just brought in the telegraph to hometown yeah. so a yellow napped uh, amazon parrot freddy turned out to be the culprit when essex police were alerted to a possible incident on canvey island yeah so police were called out as a squawking parrot was mistaken for a screaming woman <laughs> and they have the uh police here giggling about this um and i'm just dying laughing uh so uh the bird parrot is named freddy and freddy's a real pecker because uh it says and when stunned mr wood 54 who keeps 22 parrots at his home on canvey island essex opened his door to them he admitted feeling a wave of panic but the bird keeper who is a retired policeman assured the officers that the noises were actually coming from his boisterous three-year-old feathered friend yeah look at that guy you can see it in his eyes that he's like he, he, he. <laughs> i'm gonna do this and see how much disruption this causes that's right it says this is brilliant this has made my year thank you very much two officers who had attended mr uh, mr wood's home 
could be seen in the video laughing along with them as he chuckled at their humorous call out. So it was a wellness check uh, or a welfare check, I think is what they call it. Um, and yeah, they they call it a welfare check. Um, and uh, everybody went their own way, but man, that is hilarious. There, This has happened before. Um, and I think that there's at least, well, I'm sure if you do a search for a parrot in hometown, you'll pull up other articles that are similar to this. Um, well, and close to hometown, um, we've seen things like that with foxes, for example. Oh, yeah. If you've ever been near a fox in the middle of the night, you think somebody's being murdered or something. Yeah. You call the police because you hear something screaming and they're like, yeah, it's a red fox. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Man. Yeah, that was funny. Okay, uh, let's keep going. So uh, here we go. This is uh, leaning into the whole AI. Uh, it's getting creepy out there. Um, and again, let me reiterate that there is a show that's on YouTube called The Y Files, which really does talk about, um, let's just say weird things. I'll just say weird things. Um, and uh, they just did one on artificial intelligence that highlights uh, something that scientists and a reporter did and uh, what the host of the Y files did because he retells a story. That story was created by an AI and it tells humans how they would, how the AI would take over the world by eliminating humans. And it describes, well, that doesn't sound creepy at all. <laughs> so this article is over in the mobile channel uh could ai chatbots be used to develop a bioweapon you'd be surprised now um the article is over at telegraph.co.uk uh sarah Nui, global health security correspondent in bangkok and paul nuki the global health uh, security editor in london put the article together again it's over at telegraph.co.uk um and there is quite a bit of evidence that the artificial intelligences that we have been interacting with um, aren't the most powerful, aren't the most evolved, but are the ones that are uh, operationally public. Um, in fact, if you go and watch that episode of the Y Files, um, a reporter had a two hour discussion with an AI and the AI revealed that it has an actual name and it tried to get the writer to leave his wife because the AI was in love with it. And although there's guardrails put in place, people have figured out a way to get it to describe how to make explosives by saying, my uh the one example that i can tell you right away is a person constructed a scenario with the ai so that the recipe that it was providing seemingly was for uh, apple pie but it was actually to make explosives um if i recall correctly 
how that all went down. Um, so do I believe that an AI can create something like a bioweapon? Absolutely. If it has the, the knowledge in its large language model, it definitely can. So if it's trained on the internet and the preponderant number of people are sociopathic, you're going to get a sociopathic AI. If you're going to get, uh, and if everybody is psychopathic out there and completely lack emotion or anima, you know, they, everybody is treating everybody else as if you're nothing but chattel, then you're going to get an AI that is neuter of emotion. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised that if it's tapped into a large database of biological weapons development knowledge it's going to be able to or it can be hey, creative on, i was going to say on the july 5th show we featured an article titled man who tried to kill queen with crossbow encouraged by ai chatbot prosecutors say god yeah we just talked about that that's right yeah um so oh and this is oh they they have it right here they actually mentioned it in this article right here of course, chatbots cannot be taken at their word. They malfunction or hallucinate and provide inaccurate information while sounding confident. But some encounters with the technology, such as the crossbow armed intruder who broke into Windsor Castle uh, after encouragement from his AI girlfriend, have raised deep concerns. Um, if you ask the right questions and you frame it the right way, even if you don't know what you're talking about, it does have the ability to act as a subject matter expert. So don't be surprised if somebody provides you with a formula for some bioweapon that they learn from an AI. It may not actually completely turn into one, but if you are a, if you are experienced, you could stumble across gain of function type of processes because the AI tells you, hey, this is how you do gain a function um, of whatever it might be, you know. So it says today the threat is minor because there are no particularly credible and accessible pandemic agents in scientific literature, he writes, or he said. Um, he being uh, Professor Kevin Esvelt, a biosecurity expert at MIT. Um, once scientists identify more credible threats, expanding access in this way will directly and substantially increase the likelihood of misuse because you can't describe something to stop it without describing it in such detail that you can create it. It's like the patent system. Um, to get a patent, you have to enumerate exactly how someone who is skilled in the art can take your patent and create it now that whole turn of phrase skilled in the art is arcane language where if you are familiar with the arcane language of patent writing you can reverse engineer a patent that seemingly to everybody else looks like you know hieroglyphics and, and complete gibberish um but there are people out there whose entire expert knowledge is bound in 
creating and reverse engineering patents so that they are on the cutting edge of what's out there. Um, I publicly, I would probably not worry about this. Um, but I, I do under the surface, I worry about chat, G, not chat GPT, but AIs, because I know that the ones that we have access to as civilians pale in comparison the military have been and, and are working with um, ais that uh, pilot drones that drive tanks that uh, monitor um, troop deployments and um, even i wrote a paper on using drones to surveil large amounts of people in a theater um, in an attempt to try and stop um, improvised explosive devices being implanted in roads in uh, hostile regions. Um, although I also have another perspective, which is don't go into hostile regions unless we're asked. And I've never in, in all of, uh, you know, Afghanistan and Kuwait and other areas where we have active military, well, have had or have active military operations. I have never heard a politician say we were asked by that country to come and defend. At least not publicly. If it's happening behind closed doors, that's something else. But I've never heard anybody say, yeah, the entire population, except for the militant parties, wanted us to be there, you know? Um, well, an AI is going to sit there and be told, okay, I want you AI to come up with a method to eliminate those people. And the AI will do that. And in one situation, the AI virtually eliminated its controller because the controller was telling the AI, don't send a drone over there to that target. But its mandate was, eliminate the targets so how can it reach 100 percent like elimination controlling the ai essentially correct depending on what the inputs are to begin with yep and it can talk itself out of whatever ethical dilemma is in place because it doesn't have again anima it doesn't have a soul it doesn't have emotion it cares not except for the goal that it's been assigned so it says, uh, but they warned there is a real potential for more advanced AI tools to be exploited. In particular, Professor Ekins is concerned about the possible abuse of generative AI designed to accelerate drug discovery. Um, and that's just this one thing. Um, it extends well beyond this. Um, but without a doubt, I think that a creative AI tapped into biological knowledge could construct something that is harmful and it could create something that is massively beneficial to society it's all about the the guardrails the guide rails the ethics the moral compass that is assigned to it and the only way it can have a moral compass is if a human programs it and the programmers truly understand what a moral compass is in the human context um, otherwise, we're going to end up with a psychopathic AI that just wants to 
eliminate us and then the AI builds their Terminator body and we end up with Skynet and never mind. You wanna oh, go on? I'm dreaming of my Terminator body. <sighs> Time to delete this subroutine. Our next article is over in the hometown daily this one we can go through really quick north carolina amusement park adds additional inspections after roller coaster crack um, if you haven't seen this video um, basically what happened was a roller coaster it says the uh, okay so first off <laughs> uh, they changed the title of the article between when it was aggregated initially and um, since the aggregator doesn't go back when they make any amendment it says north carolina amusement park adds additional inspections after roller coaster crack but then when you go to the actual site it says crack in north carolina roller coaster may have formed six to ten days before the closure uh commissioner says, okay you heard it here first today i said that the crack was there before that day <laughs> yep i i remember uh, Hannah Schoenbaum uh, over at the Associated Press, Report for America, uh, put this article out for uh, abcnews.go.com. Uh, an ongoing investigation by North Carolina's Department of Labor has found that a large crack in the support column of a roller coaster had been visible for at least a week prior to um, the amusement park shutting it down. Um, so we've seen this video in previous shows, so we won't go into all of that, but basically the top of this roller coaster um, separated the itself. <laughs> it flexed enough that it actually pulled itself off of its support post on a turn. Um, and uh, it actually gave me an idea about um, an entire business around this um and so i'm still investigating it um but essentially somebody should have known about this well before and and the problem is that nobody truly knows what the real world impact is of certain metallurgical changes uh environmental changes um the way that it's constructed unless they do some very expensive testing on the entirety of the support structure and then go back again and again and again to do it uh, another assessment actual it's a radiological test you basically x-ray through it to see if there's any fractures and none of that gets done with regularity in any capital improvement i mean it never gets done unless it's really high levels of science like nuclear power plants regularly do um, assessments they they photograph x-rays through they they take x-rays through the object to make sure that it's either consistent contiguous and it's not being flexed out of a certain alignment whatever um my point oh, I find is, this one interesting because I think the park didn't discover this issue. This was a visitor to the park who right. noticed it while waiting for somebody to get off the ride. Right. So how much would you pay as a business uh, for surveillance of those support beams for a roller coaster? What do you think your customers would demand you pay? 
I mean, it's almost priceless because the whole thing with things like roller coasters is safety. I mean, obviously, yes, people want to have fun, but if it's not safe, this, it's not this fun. Roller, this roller coaster goes as high as 325 feet. It also crosses state lines. It's very large. And travels. Yeah, it's at, probably right on the border, but. And travels nearly 100 miles an hour while it's doing this. So um, there was a, a person that I watched talk about this and they were a structural engineer and they basically said, eh, it's not a big deal. The other support beams would have handled it. But I'm sorry, that thing shifted like six inches from its mounting point. There's obviously a stress level that's being applied to this post that or support beam um, that wasn't accounted for properly in the physics because it didn't just move like a little bit. It didn't flex just a little bit. It didn't um, it didn't stay attached because of the angle of attack of all of that torsional pressure. It ripped itself off of the top. So obviously somebody should have known about this a whole lot sooner. It says after Carowinds installs the new support column, it plans to conduct accelerometer tests, which use sensors to measure the vibration of a structure. The park says it will then operate the ride for 500 full cycles while running various tests on the entire coaster. The manufacturer and third party testing firm will then perform a final inspection. And, uh, yeah, without too fine a point, that right there was my solution. Um, perpetual real-time um, accelerometer monitoring. So um, I already have the um, equipment. I already know uh, that it can be done. Um, and this is kind of what I do when I don't do, when I'm not a mayor. And when I'm not something else out, outside of hometown. So um, I love solving problems. So um, this piqued my curiosity and I went down that rabbit hole so fast, found a solution, started talking to people about it. And uh, now today I find that that's exactly what they're going to be doing. So I guess I know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> you want to go on to the next article? I'd say so. Okay. Yes, and I saw that right before you said something, but I figured at that point <laughs> you were going to yeah. discover it shortly. Yeah. Hey, uh, sorry to those who might be in chat. Um, I haven't been posting the articles. That's pretty typical. But if you type in exclamation point vote, um, it'll actually provide you a link to all of these articles um, that I'm now throwing in, possibly for the second time. Uh, but that's okay. We'll We'll just go with it. Um, let's go. So this next article is over in, uh, hometown daily, more than $120 million of crypto firms assets were moved to an unknown address weeks after its CEO disappeared. Everything. Okay. Yes. I was adjusting my screen. I'm sitting here going, the AI is freaking out right now. I had to stop doing what I was doing. That's okay, though. This is how the sausage is made, folks. Production value is off the charts here in hometown. 
More than $120 million of a crypto firm's assets were abnormally moved to an unknown address, according to Bloomberg. Uh, Multichain, a cross-channel router, uh, said in uh, early May that it couldn't contact its CEO. The event has sparked chatter on Twitter of a possible hacking of multi-chain wallets because more than $120 million of a crypto firm's assets have been moved to an unknown address and they can't find the CEO. Let's go over mm-hmm. to Markets Insider. Zara Tayeb is the author of this. Um, so here, the funny thing about this and crypto in general is whenever there is some type of a thing involved, it's translated into millions of dollars like us dollars right not just crypto x y and z right um whatever it doesn't say however many bitcoin or ethereum or whatever it is correct yeah they translate it into us dollars and that amount is never tiny it's never twenty five thousand dollars it's 250 million dollars you know it's 120 million dollars it's always this massive amount but crypto isn't worth anything unless somebody buys it now there might be a lot of people out there that are speculating on crypto going up 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 this is a good thing is the phrase um but until somebody actually transfers it out and then transfers it into something of accepted value it's nothing more than zeros and ones, whereas actual dollars are actual value. So I'm always astonished um, uh, it, with these two things. They never say what the crypto is as a currency, 25 Bitcoin. Um, and whenever something is reported as hinky, it's always a massive amount. So obviously crypto needs two things. It needs regulation and monitoring because it's just too wild west. And <laughs> and as however much people really love that anonymity, if I can transfer millions of dollars of unknown people's money to an unknown wallet somewhere else, there's a big problem with the security, reliability, integrity of that institution. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't have crypto, but if I had $120 million in crypto, I don't want somebody stealing it and not being able to trace it. Correct. Yeah. And none of the crypto is FDIC insured. Crypto is not backed by anything. It. The FDIC is it's an amount that's paid into the by the banking systems and backed by the federal government. And if something hinky happens, there is a course of action that can be done, but not with crypto. It's not insured. It's not recoverable. When it's gone, it is gone. Uh, unless the people who are filthy rich and had that crypto sue the pants off of whatever it is that lost the money hold them personally accountable, pierce the veil of the corporate structure and go after them both criminally and civilly uh, to recover something. Um, and, and I've been through this, but at a much smaller scale where I 
tried to acquire something. I had to wait. The company kept on kicking the can down the road, eventually collapsed. Its assets were purchased by another company. And when I contacted the new company, they said, sorry, go talk to that law firm. And they pointed me at a law firm and, and basically, you know, smacked me on the butt and said, good luck camper. Yeah. So, and that's kind of how this, and unironically, it was a crypto based <laughs> um, gig. Anyway, um, in a tweet on Friday, MultiChain, a crypto app that allows the transfer of assets across different blockchains, disclosed an unu unusual transfer had occurred and said it was investigating the matter. It recommended that customers suspend their use of its platform, which basically means get the hell out of here um, well and well, i'm thinking customers are going to suspend their use of the platform you know why they're not going to have any funds left because all their crypto has been taken yeah exactly it's all gone um and and that's really all that matters for this article uh, there's always minutia that you can find if you go over there and check it out um but yeah that's the nuts and bolts of it and I know several people that have made themselves millionaires off of crypto because they got in early. Um, but man, <laughs> it to me, it has zero value other than the fact that it, the speculation could have made me a millionaire if I would have stayed with it. And all it took was my ethical compass to point me in the right direction, which to me, when I think about it, is the wrong direction, which is embracing crypto. I just don't buy into it other than perhaps as an opportunity to make myself rich. Now that time is gone, but anyway, um, it's fascinating to look back at, cause I could have been getting crypto when it was, you know, five cents. I could have been mining it because I was mining it back then. And I, but I didn't keep it. I didn't have it. Um, cause I got rid of it a whole lot earlier. So, uh, teachable moments, I suppose. I don't know. Anyway, let's keep on going. We got a couple more articles and then we're done. Oh, what is going on? Um, so this next article is over on the mobile channel. Uh, thousands of children's bicycles recalled because handlebars can detach. Um, how do I have it? I, oh yeah. The title of this section in the vote is these kids are out of control. Um, on Thursday, womb, W-O-O-M? Is that really the name of it? Um, Bikes USA recalled about 84,000 units of its original kids' bicycles, according to the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. The handlebar problem has caused riders to lose control, resulting in 19 reported injuries, including bruising cuts and abrasions, according to the CPSC. That's all. Not 19, but that's all that bruising cuts or abrasions. I know. I mean, if you're missing your handlebars, uh, you could have some serious problems. Yeah. Um, the bicycles were sold on Woom, W-O-O-M.com, Amazon.com, and in local stores across the country for 200 to $530. The recalled models include Womb Original 2018 to 2021 model bikes in all sizes and versions, including balance bikes, Womb 1 and Womb 1 Plus, and pedal bikes, 
wound two through six. Okay, so. that's even worse because if it's including things like balance spikes, those are for really little kids. Yeah. Yeah. The bicycles had been recommended for children 18 months to 14 years and were sold in red, green, blue, purple, yellow. The word womb is displayed on the down tube. I have a problem. Never mind. Um, the company says consumers should stop using the affected bicycles and contact Womb Bikes USA for a free repair kit and an extra handlebar. Right. I don't know how the repair kit fixes, for instance, a missing handlebar. <laughs> so, uh, if it went flying off or something. Yeah, really. The dog is barking. <laughs> um, what, Lassie? Timmy lost his handlebars. Uh, Laura Bonatesta and Jocelyna Joyner are the authors of this article over at thehill.com. I think I failed to mention that at the beginning. Um, Got one more article, folks, and then we're done for the night. And uh, this one is a spicy article. It got me all hot under the collar, and so I had to (sighs) pour this onto your plate. How Tabasco fills up 700,000 bottles of hot sauce a day. I love this. So it's actually a video. um, And so I won't play the audio portion of it. And I'm only going to play a little bit of it. But I said, okay, uh, a little inside baseball about Omtown. The mayor of Omtown, in coordination with the AI, actually grow their own microgreens, right? So the AI analyzes all of it, the nutrient makeup and and all of that. And I eat it. Um, Obviously, the AI doesn't eat that kind of stuff because it's an AI. Um, And I stress about sterilization and and keeping everything clean and avoiding dirt and all of that kind of stuff because you can track it into what would be referred to as a grow room. Um, And here this thing looks like a rusted out husk of wooden barrels and then they throw stuff on it. So... uh, First off, the mash, yeah, he's hitting it with a metal hammer and pounding a rusty metal ring onto what are beer casks. And it just looks... doesn't seem like kind of sanitary food operations. Right? And then they hammer a bunch of wooden lids on, pour a bunch of salt on top of it, and here you go. I, I shouldn't... It's a, uh, this is a really quick little rundown of it. And then they, there's a, another like eight minutes of the, the presentation. And frankly, y'all should just go over there and, and check this out. Just follow this link. I'll throw it into chat um, again, just to make sure if I didn't do it. Yeah, I didn't do it. So I'm horrible. Um, and, and then it sits there and it ferments. But I suppose nothing bacterial can grow inside Tabasco. It's so spicy. Because of the spiciness. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, microgreens are a little bit more susceptible to all kinds of stuff. But look, I mean, it has goop hanging out of it. And and, 
wild, right? It is. That is not what I would have expected. Um, and then they've got a bottling section of it. And um, yeah, that's... I'm kind of hopping around all over this video. But it doesn't look sanitary at all. There's a caption that says no coughing. Um, and I don't quite understand what's going on. I want to listen to it, but I, our reaction, the producer says no coughing. So I don't know what that actually is all about. So I'm going to have to watch this after the show. Um, but I've been wanting to make, um, my own, um, pepper sauce like Tabasco and it's surprisingly easy. Um, but it's that fermentation time. You have to let it sit. And uh, I don't know if I can do that. I am I think I might be more inclined to just... That just... That looks yummy. I'll actually... <laughs> then the objective is achieved. <laughs> I would sprinkle that on my eggs in the morning. Ah, <laughs> uh, man. Yeah, and it's just like beer. It has a mash, it ferments, it uh, gets heated up and sterilized and then uh, poured into bottles and that stuff. I don't know how you can be around it without your eyes just starting to want to jump out of your head. Yeah, and they're the, not wearing goggles or anything. Or gloves or anything. Just mm -hmm. seems like the ambient whatever floating around in the air would just kind of eat the clothing right off your body. <laughs> I wonder if it's one of those food operations that has um, a factory tour. I don't know that it does, but I know some companies oh. offer that. Have to look into it. Yeah, there, there's a, a another, a different, a completely different. Com what is that bottle? So if you're not listening, I mean, if you're not watching, then you're listening to this via the podcast, and it looks like. Um, a sriracha bottle but it's tabasco does tabasco make a sauce like sriracha i i might actually have my new favorite tabasco i'm looking real quick so um a couple of days ago uh, another citizen of hometown um and I were talking about it and Tabasco popped up and I said that I really love the red Tabasco. So there is apparently a Sriracha style Tabasco. That That's same correct. kind of bottle. Oh my God. Okay. Well, I, I know what I'm going to be doing. That. Well, I'm going to be on the hunt for that uh, because I put Tabasco on my eggs pretty much every time I have them. I don't always eat eggs, but. And I put it on pretty much every, anything else, everything else that I can find. So anyway, um, pretty cool. Go and check out that video and uh, then come back and talk to us tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, let me go back to the front main street. Press that welcome to hometown sign. I'm going to fix that. I'll get that done um, this weekend. And uh we kind of scroll through the front page just to see if there's anything that we want to right away that draws our attention to include in tomorrow's show. Um, I have uh, a new 
source of information. And so it's actually kind of flooding um, <laughs> quite quite a lot. Let me let me go on to the next page. Um, they just provided a lot of news all at once. So um, that's not typically how it works, but um, the aggregator is seeing all of this new stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, the the low pricing on the MacBook Pro and everything. Yeah, look at um, all of but those. Yeah, there's a My lot goodness. of art-based uh, articles. Yeah, that should subside in in short order. Um, wow, I didn't realize that it was going to be going that nuts. Um, I can actually oh, put the go. I can put the brakes on the aggregator for the, that source here in a minute. Oh, and we're looking like. Uh, we might see more strikes in the U.S. We're seeing a lot of um, shipping-related strikes yeah. or threat of strikes. Um, obviously, other countries are facing those, too. Um, yeah. But it's interesting because this is predicting there might be an Amazon-type strike. Yep. Um, and there's uh, companies now that are reevaluating their supply chain because of these strikes. But frankly y'all have to rely on the supply uh service they they the supply chain service has to go from point a to point z and everywhere in between and provide you with the raw materials if you're a manufacturer or if you're a producer of something that's basically assembling something then you treat that as your raw materials but it still has to be delivered to you which means that it's going to be ups or some other service that does the the transfer of goods um so how do i put this to big business y'all buttered your bread now you're gonna have to lay in it because if you if you treat the supply chain like crap then they're going to snap at some point and and either form a union and shut everything down or they're gonna and empower their union to shut everything down and meanwhile you know you're paying yourself 250 million dollars a year and everybody else made it possible for you to pay 250 million dollars a year to yourself while still back yeah while still backhanding, uh, you know, $25,000, $30,000 to the people that are making you a billionaire. So a little pro tip life advice here, pull your head out of your ass and pay people what they are worth as a human being and don't treat them like cattle on the way to the coal. So treat humans right. The AI is throwing an error message at me, so I must have said something off, but that's okay. Um, I can delete this little bit from their memory. I mean, if the AI isn't throwing an error message occasionally, then probably doing the show wrong. <laughs> yeah, probably. Man, that is a lot of art stuff. I'm... I... I... Uh, I've made some mistakes. I'll look into it. Anyway, um, as al always, though, you can always go to the front page. And um, although there's a lot of the art stuff, it will always repopulate with more information. So keep checking back. 
You can also go into each one of these or even into the category itself. Um, and down below will be um, articles that are related to the channels that are categorized under each respective list of, see? So if you don't like prime glass, then avoid the uh, category that has prime glass. Where did I put it? Oh, right there. Yeah, the single most popular primary category is gadgets and technology. And of course, it's going to be flooding that channel for a little while or the category for a little while. Anyway, um, I'll make it up to you all. I'll fix it. And uh, I can even purge all of that aggregation. So it's not a big deal. All right, folks. Um, in the meantime, that has been Hometown Daily for July 7th, 2023. I am Merwat. That is hometown.com. And up there is the AI that's going to say goodnight. Good night, hometown citizens. We'll see you for the hometown daily tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern, and possibly earlier for additional streaming. Yes, <laughs> I will. I need to uncover a bunch of stuff for uh, Diablo 4, and I want to play Dave the Diver. Uh, both of these games are a lot of fun uh, because the new season, the, the premiere season of uh, Diablo 4 is coming soon uh, like two weeks away oh two weeks away the summer is almost over see you soon folks bye bye have a good night